0: Welcome to the Catholic Brides podcast. My name is Anne, and I would like to welcome you to my show. On this podcast, we will be talking about what it means to be a Catholic bride, how to prepare for marriage, and how to walk with your spouse towards heaven. I'm excited that you're here, and I invite you to grab your favorite drink, settle in, and let's have a heart-to-heart about what it means to be a Catholic bride in today's world. ¡Gracias! to the Catholic Brides podcast. I'm really excited for today's show because today we're going to be talking about one of my favorite topics to talk about, and that is the temperaments. So we're going to be talking a little bit about what are the temperaments and how we can use them in our relationships with other people, in our relationships with our spouse and what benefit they have for knowing a little bit more about them. So I'm really excited to just kind of dive in and talk to you a little bit about this today. So the temperaments originated back in ancient Greece. They are basically four different categories of people that uh, we have in our world. So the key here is not to use the temperaments to put people in boxes, um, because we want to embrace the diversity that is in our world. But they give us an insight into the different ways that people think. And we've identified that these are four main categories of ways that people think. So if we are able to determine what our temperament is, it will help us to grow in holiness and help us to work on the areas that need to be worked on. But also, if we can identify the temperaments of other people, it is super helpful for that as well, to be able to relate to them better, to be able to know a little bit more about how they think, and just to learn a little bit more about the world around us and how we are uniquely different, but how those differences complement each other in such a beautiful, organic way. So we're just going to kind of dive into them. So as I mentioned, there are four temperaments. The four temperaments are melancholic, sanguine, phlegmatic, and choleric. Um, So we're going to just dive into a little bit more about what each of these means. But I want to make a point here to say that Not one person is going to be entirely one temperament. So God gives us beauty and diversity. So we are generally a blend of all four of these temperaments, but there's usually one that's really predominant in our life, one that is very much who we are, but there's also usually a second one that's kind of a close second to that as well. So some people can be melancholic choleric, some people can be sanguine phlegmatic, um, but there are aspects of all of them. So if you see certain aspects of one specific temperament in within you, but also see other reflections of the other three, that is perfectly normal. Generally, we want to look at what temperament we fall most closely in line with and what temperament is very much the way that we are. But we also want to look at our secondary temperament as well, because that will play a big key role into the person that we are. And then as I mentioned, uh, we can see traces of the other temperaments as well in our life and in the way that we think and look at the world. But they're not going to be as prominent. And they're not going to be kind of the main driving thing in your person and what pulls you forward. So we want to make sure that we know our primary and our secondary. Um, At least our primary is helpful. If we know what our secondary is, that's super helpful as well, but not necessarily um, something that you need to absolutely know. But your primary is going to kind of dictate not dictate because you can grow in your temperament and perfect your temperament as you grow and grow in more self knowledge. But Your primary temperament is going to be who you are naturally and what your natural tendencies are and learning to know about the temperaments will help you to determine where you can go forward, what things you can specifically work on, what things you might struggle with that you didn't really realize that you struggled with, um, and just kind of the beauty of learning more self-knowledge about yourself so that you can grow from it. So I'm going to take a lot of this from the book, The Temperament God Gave You um, by Art and Lorraine Bennett. Uh, That's a super great book. And especially if you're just getting started in the temperaments to read this book, it is a very good insight into the different temperaments. It will give you a lot more detail than I can go into in this podcast, but it's a great start. I'll link that book in the description below and you can go ahead and read that. So... Also learning about these temperaments, you can also learn about your spouse as well and things that you might not have picked up on right away, Um, but think general like tendencies that your spouse might have or other people in your life might have as well. So we're going to go through the four basic temperaments just really briefly for you to be able to kind of know what the temperaments are, what some of the tendencies are, so you can start to think about what temperament you might be. And then obviously, if you want to dive in a little bit deeper on your own, the book The Temperament God Gave You that I just mentioned is a great resource to be able to dive in even further into this topic. Because I think it's really fascinating that we can learn so much about a person just by knowing what their temperament is and what their natural tendencies are as well. So we're going to start with the first one. The first temperament is the melancholic. So melancholics are introverted. So introverted people tend typically, they are people that will have not an immediate reaction to things. So melancholics like to brood and like to think about things and it takes them a little bit longer to process information. So they tend to be quieter, and they tend to think more deeply about things before they formulate an opinion. So some of the the other temperaments that you will see are a lot more quick and fast reacting. Melancholics are not. They take time to think, they, they take time to process before they formulate an opinion, or if they're hurt, they will definitely think about things a little bit longer and tend to brood over things as well. So if you hurt a melancholic in whatever way if, if you um, say something to them they're going to think about it a lot longer than some of the other temperaments will think about it um, but along with that some of the other negatives that i want to just kind of talk about briefly with the melancholic is they tend to worry about things with that deeper thinking about stuff so they overprocess stuff a lot and they tend to be a little bit more pessimistic And so this is something that the melancholic needs to work on and needs to become more self-aware about and to continue to build themselves up and continue to grow in their temperament and overcome that negative side of it. So they tend to be a lot more moody, tend to overthink things, like I said, and be a little bit more obsessive. And sometimes they tend to be a lot more, um, not as easygoing, but also very much on-time prompt people. So And that's one of the positives of the melancholic is that they like to be on time but not necessarily because they like to be on time but because they're worried about what they would people would think about them if they weren't on time so if you're a melancholic and if you find yourself brooding over things a little bit more then it is very easy to fall into that pessimistic trap and realize that we need to work on optimism and we need to work on coming with a balance of overthinking things and realizing that we do take a little bit more time to process, but also thinking that we need to be able to work on our temperament and be able to come to the perfection of our temperament, which is still thinking deeply about things, but being able to not worry about them, um, because that is a very tendency of a melancholic. Some of the really perks of a melancholic, the good sides of the melancholic, if you will, are that melancholics are very loyal people. Um, If you start a relationship or a friendship with a melancholic, they're going to be very, very loyal. Um, Obviously, if they get hurt, it'll it'll hurt them deeper, and it will take a lot longer to regain their trust. Um, But in general, they're very loyal people. We like to be very organized. So melancholics are very, very organized people. They like their spaces organized. They like to kind of have more order in their life and more structure in their life in general. And so they are people that will keep order in things and organize things. Um, So they're generally the organizers of the world to be able to keep things in order um, and in harmony in that way melancholics tend to be a little bit more cautious about things. So with their deep thinking about things, they tend to not react as quickly and not make decisions decisions impulsively. So melancholics are very much cautious and very much thinking through all of the possible situations and scenarios before they make their decision, which can be a very great benefit and a very good um, thing for people to be able to do. Um, so they kind of bring some of the other temperaments down to earth. Because if when we are talking about the other temperaments, you'll see that some of the other temperaments are a little bit more spontaneous. But melancholics are very much like to plan like to be organized, and like to have a plan in place to be able to implement something before they actually go through with it. Melancholics also tend to be the more creative people. So again, with that deep thinking side of them, they tend to be more creative in the arts. So more creative writing, more creative painting, or whatever their medium of art might be. Melancholics like to dream big, like to have um, big plans, and also like to think deeply and meditate on things and do things as well with being creative. So melancholics are also very detailed. So along with their being creative, they also spend a lot of time in being detailed about different things. And like I said before, going through and making those plans is um, something that they do. And they're very, very detailed in their plans that they that they go through. Um, again, because th- they are deep thinkers and they think about things a lot. So that is the melancholic temperament. And uh, the opposite of melancholic is the sanguine. So some people say that they're melancholic sanguine. You can have characteristics of both, but generally melancholic and sanguine are the absolute opposite. So generally, your primary if you're a primary melancholic, you're not going to be a secondary sanguine and vice versa. So the sanguine is an extrovert. So as opposed to the melancholic who is introverted, sanguines are very, very extroverted people. So When you walk into the room, you can generally tell who the sanguines are, especially if it's a party, um, because they're the life of the party. They're usually the loud ones, the ones that are making people laugh, the ones that are keeping the party going. They are very good social people, very good at making friends. They tend to have a lot of friends. Um, so this is one of the things with the sanguine is that they're very easy and very approachable. They're very outgoing. They're very carefree. They don't really care what people think of them generally. Um, they're going to just do what they want to do and do it with extreme boldness, which is super beautiful. Um, And opposed to the melancholic who is a pessimist, the sanguine is an optimist. So you can kind of see where the opposites are coming here. Um, Sanguines tend to have a lot of friends, like I said, but the problem that the sanguines run into with their friendships is generally they'll have a lot of friends, but they won't have very many deep friendships. So it is possible for sanguines to have deep friendships, but they're going to have a lot of close friends instead of a few best friends, as opposed to the melancholic who has very close friends, a smaller group of people they know, but very close friends and very deep relationships within that. So the sanguine is all over the place with all over their friendships. um, And they just like to have people that people energize them, people excite them. They like to please people, they like to be the life of the party. So With that, obviously, there is some negative sides to the sanguine as well. So, sanguines tend to be more impulsive. So, when an external stimuli comes to a sanguine, they're going to have an immediate reaction and it's going to be an intense one, but they're not going to brood over it like the melancholic. So, the sanguine typically has more of impulsive reactions to things. So they'll react impulsively a lot of the time. They will also tend to be a little bit louder. Sometimes they're too loud and, and are overpowering the rest of the people in the room. So It's very important for the sanguine to make sure that they are keeping themselves in check and making sure that everybody is having the same amount of time to be able to talk and making sure that they don't dominate the conversation or the party is very critical to the sanguine. Um, Sanguines tend to be a little bit more disorganized. They're kind of all over the place with their emotions and just in general in life, um, a little bit more disorganized and not as ordered as the melancholic might be. Another thing that the sanguine might struggle with um, is being full of themselves. So sanguines tend to have a little bit more lack of a self-control when they, um, not really self-control, but they have a little bit of a lack of making sure that they're not putting themselves in the forefront all the time and they're not full of themselves. So. If you're a sanguine, it is very important for you to practice humility and practice letting other people be the spotlight sometimes because generally sanguines can start getting a big head about things and it can be very hard for other people to get into that if the sanguine thinks that everything is about themselves. So not to say that every sanguine has that problem along with all of these other things that I'm talking about. Not to say that every temperament is struggling with their specific issues in a very, very, a very big way. You might have already realized that this is a problem for you through self-knowledge and might have already started to channel it elsewhere and work on that problem. These are just natural tendencies that these temperaments have and things that once you're aware of it, you can start to work on it and start to form it into a more full and more fully developed temperament and not struggle with it so much, if that makes sense. So that's kind of the sanguine temperament. So like I said, sanguine and melancholic, total opposites of the spectrum. Melancholics are very, very deep thinkers. Sanguines are very more impulsive um, go-getters that are the life of the party. Um, so the introvert, the extrovert, and you can kind of see differences there. Now we're gonna move into the next temperament, which is, it, the phlegmatic temperament. So the phlegmatic temperament is one that not a lot of people talk a lot about (laughs) because, I mean, there is things to talk about it, but it's also one of those temperaments that is kind of in the background and is harder to describe and harder to say things about. Um, But obviously, like all of the other temperaments, the phlegmatic has struggles that they have, and the phlegmatic also has the ability to excel in certain areas as well. So the phlegmatic, like the melancholic, is an introverted temperament. They have tend to have slower reactions to things. So if somebody says something hurtful to them, they're not going to react to it immediately in the moment, they're going to have to process that first, and then react later down the road. Phlegmatics are very relaxed people. They tend to be the peacemakers. They want harmony in their life. They want harmony in their friendships. They want harmony everywhere. So phlegmatics very much are very good at keeping the peace and wanting peace. And when there is not peace, phlegmatics are usually not okay trying to make like they're trying to make peace and if they can't make peace then it is very very hard for them to be in conflict. It is very hard for them when people around them are having conflict and so they're going to try the best they can to minimize that conflict Or if their temperament hasn't really fully developed yet, and they're still in the early stages of developing it and don't realize that this is something that they are trying to desire or trying to work towards, sometimes they can recoil and try to remove themselves from the situation as well, instead of making peace. So it just kind of depends. Like obviously, sometimes you have to remove yourself from a situation that won't become peaceful. But there are a lot of times that you can promote peace throughout the situation. So Phlegmatics are also very easygoing people. They generally are kind of the go with the flow people, kind of laid back, relaxed. They also have the ability to empathize with people very much. They are great listeners um, and very observant to their surroundings. So they'll be able to observe things that are going on around them and be able to react to things when needed. But they also have their downfalls as well. Um, phlegmatics take a lot of motivation to do things, and so they kind of can come across as being lazy and um, also undisciplined. So, as a phlegmatic, they struggle with the ability to motivate themselves a lot of the time. And so having external motivation as a phlegmatic is super important, because otherwise, a lot of phlegmatics might find themselves just sitting at home and being introverted, and which is sometimes okay, people need time at home. But just having the motivation to be able to go out to be able to do things, and to be able to push forward is something that they might struggle with. And Once they realize that this is something that they need to grow in, it is easier to overcome that, but just making sure that they are taking the appropriate steps to be able to do that. Another thing that can be with the phlegmatic is they can be too compromising sometimes where they get bulldozed over by the other temperaments, especially the last temperament, the choleric that we're going to be talking about, which is the complete opposite of melancholic, but they tend to just be too compromising and not stand up for themselves as much because they want that peace. They don't want to be to be in the middle of a turmoil. They don't want to be the reason that somebody is mad at them. They don't want anything to do with something that's not peaceful. So they oftentimes struggle with expressing themselves and oftentimes ex- struggle with being bold and uh, making those those decisions that they need to make to be able to push forward. Phlegmatics are very much the peacemakers of the world, but they also are very much the people that need the more motivation and they also need to learn as they grow in their temperament and in their self-knowledge. They need to learn to be able to stand up for themselves and for what they believe in and to motivate themselves to be able to make the changes that they want to see. So the last temperament that we're going to talk about is the choleric. And this temperament is very much, you'll see it by the people who are the leaders of the world. Um, so the world is very much, I want I don't want to say ran by cholerics, but kind of is. <laughs> um, cholerics are very extroverted people they tend to have immediate reactions to things. So they don't need time to think about things. They don't usually process things very much. They will have immediate reactions and immediate responses. So they are the leaders of the world generally, that you'll see not really all of the leaders, like not all the leaders, but they are the leaders that you will definitely see in like CEOs, as entrepreneurs, generally a lot of them are choleric um, and we need those people in the world to be able to lead us. And they are very confident people, very confident in themselves, very confident in their ability to get things done and very, very much efficient in their processes. But like all of the other temperaments, they have their issues as well. Um, They can be too confident sometimes and arrogant. Um, They can also be rude. They can bulldoze over other people, (laughs) especially the phlegmatics kind of get trampled by the cholerics a lot, but they typically don't have the natural ability to empathize with other people. It takes them a lot more to develop that skill. Um, They can be rude. They can just overwork themselves. It's very easy for a choleric to to keep working and to keep going and not take time for themselves because they have goals they need to achieve and they're going to achieve them. Um, So they also have the inability to relax sometimes because of that natural drive to lead and that natural drive to get things done and achieve their goals. So they're boisterous as well, but not as boisterous as the sanguine, um, but they are more of a natural born leader and are the ones that kind of drive things forward, get things done, um, they can organize, and sometimes like like the sanguine, they can be a little, little bit more egocentric and they can be a little bit more harder to work with because they're so driven to do things on their own and they sometimes think that their own way is the best way. Um, but as they grow in their temperament, they will start to be able to delegate, they will start to be able to rely on other people to be able to do tasks for them as well, and they are able to work very well with other people once they start realizing some of their tendencies and once they realize some of the things they need to work on and take those steps to work on those things as well. And then as they continue on with working on their temperament, they also can motivate the phlegmatic. They can bring order to other people and are a very, very great and beautiful asset to our world. So choleric and phlegmatic are exact opposites um, much like melancholic and sanguine so generally your first and second aren't going to be phlegmatic and choleric it's usually going to be um one or the other so when you're looking looking at your temperaments you can kind of see more of a melancholic or sanguine tendency and then you can kind of see a phlegmatic or choleric tendency as well so It's once you're starting to learn a little bit more about the temperaments, you can start to learn a little bit more about self-knowledge. And as you dive even deeper into the, the temperaments, you can learn about the different virtues that you might struggle with or the different virtues that you might excel in. Learning about the temperaments, especially in relation to your spouse and what their tendencies are is also super helpful because if you dive into this with your spouse and you're kind of aware which temperaments each of you are, you can then begin to see the virtues that are coming out between you, but also you can know exactly how people are going to react to things and whether or not they're going to think about things a lot more, whether they're going to be more impulsive, and start to really help each other grow in your temperaments as well. Because once you have the awareness of your temperament, you can start to make those changes and make those steps to be able to realize, hey, I do this because I'm more of a choleric, I tend to lead people, but I tend to bulldoze over them as well. How can I incorporate things into this life? And how can I incorporate things into my daily life that help me to see the good in other people and see the good in the contributions that they do for me? Or I tend to be a melancholic, I tend to be a pessimist, and I need help to see the positive light of things. So you can support your spouse in this as well. So when your spouse is, if your spouse is melancholic, you know that they tend to be a little bit more of a pessimist and so helping them to see the optimism in the situations is very beneficial. Or if your spouse is a sanguine, sometimes their heads are in the clouds and they're bouncing all over with a million different social ideas and just to kind of ground them and remind them, hey, we can do one social, like one social thing, and we're going to do that well. So just to know your spouse's temperament can be super helpful, both for yourself, but also to help each other grow in virtue and grow in holiness as well. So The four temperaments are very, very helpful for growing in both virtue for yourself and also for your spouse. And I hope that this little overview was helpful for you. And I hope that you'll take the time to get to know your sp- yourself a little bit more and through these temperaments that you can also know your spouse a little bit more. Um, so like I said, if you want more information about this, The Temperament God Gave You is a very easy read, a very good um, starting point for th- diving into the temperaments. And it's really good to just kind of enjoy, this, enjoy the ride and very good for... Just growing together in holiness and growing together in self-knowledge as well. Because self-knowledge is hard, but just to make sure that we are practicing it and to make sure that it is helping us to grow is very critical. So I hope this was helpful for you guys, and I hope that you can spend some time to determine what your temperament is, and work with your spouse as well, and learn what their temperament is. As always, if you have any questions, you can email me or send me a message on Instagram at Um, and I hope you guys are having a wonderful start to your lend, and I will see you again in the next episode. God bless you. To the Catholic Brides podcast. If you enjoyed this content, I invite you to subscribe to the podcast. If you would like to get in touch with me, I invite you to either message me on Instagram or send me an email at catholicbrides@gmail.com. at gmail.com. I look forward to having you join me again, and I look forward to connecting with you in the future. Thank you so much, and have a wonderful and blessed day.